Hey everybody, welcome to tonight's episode of Straight Out Left. Even more signings have happened. It has been a crazy busy week in the MLB. Correa, Swanson, Martinez, Gallo, Bentendi, and many others have new teams. So we're going to dive right in and analyze all these moves. I hope everyone's been having a great weekend so far. Happy Saturday evening. I know I've had a... It's been busy, you know, getting ready for the holidays and such, but... Um, happy to be here talking about baseball. I mean, I didn't really have a choice. There's so much going on. This has definitely not been a slow, boring off season. Things are happening right after one, right after the other, which is good. I like, um, I hate the lull in the off season that usually happens before all the free agent signings happen. So I don't mind all this, this random burst of activity. It gives me plenty to talk about and I'm not struggling to find new show material. Anyway, um, let's, uh, you can kick back and relax and I'm going to, get right to it we've got um plenty of um plenty of things have happened since uh last tuesday um so many big names have come off the market we're going to start with clearly the biggest name both uh for for uh for the whole league and just uh a little bit of sad significance as a twins fan but uh carlos correa is not coming back to minnesota he has signed a massive 13 year 350 million dollar deal with the San Francisco Giants. I mean, I'm not going to dive into much onto um uh justifying this for Correa. I mean, we all know Correa is arguably the best shortstop in the league. Amazing with the glove. Um Although it wasn't quite as platinum glove level performance, at least according to the advanced uh, baseball savant type stats last year, but still good about uh, one of the best gloves in the league. Amazing hitter. He had a great offensive year with the twins last year, 22 homers, 833 OPS, um, you know, hits the ball really hard and a great clubhouse leader too. So the giants basically said, okay, this is going to be our guy. Um, we've lost a lot of stars over the past few years. You know, uh, guys like Posey and Bumgarner. So we're going to get our new guy to be the cornerstone of our franchise for the next decade plus. I mean, this deal is going to pay Correa well um, until he's 41, I believe. Math there, yeah. Going to be paying him until he's 41. And, you, you know, the Giants definitely were a team that need a little bit more offensive firepower. And uh, Correa will definitely provide that. Um, what's interesting is now that... Um, He's in town. Longtime giant shortstop Ryan Crawford, who back in his, back in his heyday, you know, I thought he was definitely one of the better shortstops in the league in his own right. Um, definitely a little less with the glove or with the bat, but way more with the glove. But uh, has all those World Series rings under his belt, too. Um, they're playing on sliding him over the third, which is interesting. Um, but yeah, they still have Crawford for a little bit, so they got to figure out how to use him. But yeah, Correa is clearly the, sh the shortstop now. And this Giants lineup, you know, you've got Yastrzemski, Correa, Peterson. You add Hanniger, um, J.D. Davis, uh, late night Lamont Wade. Um, if Joey Bart can kind of round into form finally, that could help too. You got Wilmore Flores on the bench. Then you've got guys like Crawford and Estrada. It's not a bad lineup anymore. It was definitely a weak uh, offensive production was definitely a weakness for the Giants last year, but. Um, it's still by no means an amazing lineup, but it's definitely a lot more well-rounded now that you've got a Correa and Hanniger added in there. 
and you know they might have some time to make some more uh kind of border um kind of under the radar moves that might help as well and this um this signing has huge ramifications for a lot of the league um for just the game in general um most importantly i think it really reignites the giants dodgers rivalry 2021 was super fun to watch the giants and dodgers uh two longtime rivals just uh duke it out and uh because in recent memory the neither team has really been on the same level when the dodge and recently when the dodgers have been extremely good the giants have been pretty mediocre to below average and when the giants were on their uh dynasty run in the early 2010s the dodgers were a complete mess so um now they're in 2021 we saw what the rivalry can be like if they're both on the same level and so now coming into 2023 while I don't think that the Dodgers are on paper the better team still, this at least adds a lot, another wrinkle to that rivalry and makes it makes the Giants less of an underdog. And now throwing the Padres too in this mix, and suddenly all three California teams are bringing big names, or in the Dodgers' case, they just had big names. All have solid solid rosters constructed now. Um. So yeah, the, in the NL West, uh, California teams are just going to be duking it out. It's going to be a lot of fun to watch this summer, I think. And actually, I mean, the Padres have been one of the most overhyped teams for the past five years, but last year they finally lived up to it. Um, the Dodgers, we know, are going to be amazing, and the Giants seem to be committed to trying to win in the present. And while they didn't get their main guy who they wanted, Aaron Judge, they did get Correa. So they brought in that big name that they were promising that they would make. And they were, prom- they were promising they'd bring in a big name, and they did. So... Yeah, I'm excited to see how this plays out in the NOS. It makes the that whole division just super fun. And I mean, you know, it's tough if you're the Diamondbacks or the Rockies. The Diamondbacks are a young, opportunistic team, but having three really good teams in your uh, division now makes it tough. And the Rockies, it's just kind of the same old, same old, unfortunately. Anyway, um, so that's about it with the Correa signing. Um, the other, the last of the big four free agent short, shortstops, so we had Bogarts and Turner sign, and then Correa just signed. So the last guy left was uh, Dansby Swanson. And just today, he agreed to terms with the Cubs on a seven-year, $177 million deal. I really like this move for the Cubs because, uh, as I mentioned in an earlier episode, they brought in Bellinger, and they already had a solid core of guys like Hap and Suzuki and... Um, uh, I'm blanking on this. Oh, uh, Christopher Morell, guys like that, but it wasn't the deepest lineup. So Bellinger's definitely a big bounce back candidate. He needs to um, play better and find a stroke, but maybe that change of scenery in Chicago is what he needs. And at the very least, he'll provide great defense in center field. And then you bring in Swanson, who can be kind of the cornerstone of that lineup now. Uh, Swanson's definitely, um, after kind of a rough start to his career, has really picked it up. I mean, there's uh, 20... 20- pre-2020 Dansby Swanson, but then starting in 2020, he really seemed to figure it out. So pre-2020 Dansby Swanson, over his first four years, his OPS plus was 84. Just wasn't getting it done, uh, only hitting 245. And, you know, he's not the greatest average hitter, but over the past three years, he has only missed two games and that he played all 60 games of the COVID year. He only missed two games in 2021 and played every game last year. So he's been very healthy. 108 OPS plus, Good defense. Um, he can steal some bases. He's averaging 21 home runs a year and 27 doubles, so hitting for some power. Um, so, yeah, not 
quite he's not quite at the same level as like a Correa or Trey Turner, but Swanson's definitely a really solid shortstop, and I think that he is worth this contract. I was really not expecting him to go back to the Braves. They have so many other young players that they need to keep and so many young guys they've already extended, like uh, Austin Riley, for example, that it seemed like Swanson was kind of not going to be part of the Braves' future, just kind of reading the writing on the wall. But yeah, big move for the Cubs. And like I keep saying, in the NL Central, you have the Cardinals who won the division but are definitely a team with a lot of weaknesses. You have the Brewers who keep tripping over themselves and could be a great playoff team, but they just don't have the lineup to do it as of right now, even with some of the additions they've made. And then you have the Pirates and the Reds who are going to be awful again this year. So the NL Central is not uh, that winning that division is not unattainable if everything goes right for the Cubs. They have the rotation. They have the lineup core forming. They just need some things to go right for them, and they could be serious playoff Um Actually, I'm not going to say serious playoff contenders, but they have the potential to be a dark horse. There could be a sleeper pick. Um, you know, I probably wouldn't pick them to win the division still, but it could happen. It's not definitely stranger things have happened. So, yeah, really like this move for the Cubs. Um, makes sense. I feel like that Swanson just seems like a good fit. Okay. Um, two more big high profile signings I want to talk about. Carlos Rodon to the Yankees is one of them. Six years, $162 million. The Yankees got their big impact sign. Well, they got judge. They brought back Judge, but then they had to make an addition. So their addition was Rodon. Uh, makes that rotation even better. I mean, they lost guys like they lost Jameson Tyone, but Rodon, I think, is definitely a much, much better pitcher when healthy. And he showed that last year. I mean, uh, with the Giants, I mean, I remember Rodon in his time with the White Sox. He always had the potential to be really great, and he would look really good. He just couldn't stay on the mound. He would always be hurt. But last year, he made 31 starts, the most he's ever made in his career, pitched the most innings he's ever pitched, 178, 2.88 ERA, 2.25 FIP, and a 12K per nine rate. So best in the National League in that regard. Gets a ton of strikeouts. He'll be a solid number two behind Garrett Cole. Um, you got Nestor Cortez in there as well. I mean, honestly, Nestor has a case to be the number two. So that one, two, three punch is really dangerous for the Yankees. And then you've got like Montas and Severino in the back end of that. Um, really shores up the Yankees uh, rotation as they try to reclaim dominance and finally get past the Astros for once. So, yeah, I mean, as a not Yankee fan, I don't like that he went to the Yankees, but it makes sense. And it was a smart move. And I think it's definitely, he's definitely worth the money as long as he can stay healthy, but there is that little bit of risk there that you have to be careful about. So we're done to the Yankees. And then we've got, um, Ben Intendi, uh, Andrew Benintendi on a five-year deal worth $75 million to the Chicago White Sox. I think this makes a lot of sense for the White Sox who are trying to shore up, um, a little bit on the defensive and more, uh, kind of getting some, more contact um, patient hitters in their lineup instead of just all sluggers who can't field. I mean, Ben Tenney's very solid with the glove um, and he's really good at getting, uh, he doesn't hit the ball super hard. He doesn't mash, but he's good at not chasing. He doesn't swing and miss a lot. Doesn't strike out a ton. He walks a lot. Um, last year had an amazing year for the Royals. He, <clears throat> well, for the Royals and then he got traded to the Yankees midseason. They got hurt. So that was a little underwhelming, but, uh, 2020, 22 for, um, for the Royals and Yankees over 126 games, uh, 304 batting average, 
23 doubles, five homers, 52 RBIs, uh, eight stolen bases you can throw in there. He hit 276 in 2021 with the uh, with the Royals. He um, after kind of a bad um, bad uh, exit in Boston, he really kind of found himself in Kansas City. So now he comes back to the Central for the um, for the White Sox. And as a bitter division rival, I don't like this move from that perspective. But it does make a lot of sense. Slots in nicely to left field. It means that you can put Eloy as your DH now, and then. Uh, Roaming that outfield with Robert in a center will help help the White Sox defensively out a lot. And again, like I said, not um, he's patient. He doesn't swing and miss a ton. He's not your biggest masher, but when you have guys like Jimenez and Vaughn and uh, Anderson and hoping like guys like Grandal and Moncada can return to form, you know, that White Sox lineup can be pretty dangerous, honestly. All right. So, yeah, that's my... Uh, and again, big thing with Benintendi too is he really helps the uh, the Sox out defensively. All right, we've got also we've got an interesting one. Noah Syndergaard heading to the Dodgers on a one-year, thirteen million dollar deal. I mean, Syndergaard, you know, we all remember the Thor days in New York when he was a uh, the next big thing, and just injuries have really derailed his career. He's bounced around a lot. He was playing for uh, the Angels and for uh, Philly last year. And with uh, Philly, he kind of down the stretch, he would start games, but he just wouldn't go deep into them, which was kind of strange. Um, some of the uh, periphery stats look good. Like he um, does not, his control is pretty good. He doesn't walk a lot of people. He doesn't, he's in the top 20 percentile, or I guess bomb 20 percentile for lowest average exit velocity. So, you know, he was not getting hit super hard last year. Um, that's always important. Um, with the Dodgers solid defense behind that, you know, you can, if you're just giving up ground balls, then feel scooping up, scoop them up and make those plays. But yeah, last year wasn't terrible. I mean, 3.94 ERA, just over 24 starts, only pitched about 135 innings. So he just wasn't getting deep into games like you would like. Um, but yeah, it was a good after two just awful injury railed years. We only made two starts. He's finally gotten the mound again a little bit more consistently. And, you know, it's kind of a flyer pick for the Dodgers, but that. That's what the Dodgers are good at. They bring in guys like Andrew Heaney and Tyler Anderson and turn them into all-stars who then get bigger contracts elsewhere. But uh, maybe Syndergaard will uh, rise to the occasion in the bright lights of Hollywood and, you know, return to his former Thor self. I mean, when he was in his prime, he was super fun to watch. And so I'm not opposed to it. Uh, opposed to that happening. It'd be great to see that again. Uh, we have Adam Frazier going on a one-year deal to... The Orioles, um, the Orioles promised that they would spend money this offseason, and this is what they do. Uh, they bring in a veteran second baseman with a about league average bat and about average defensively on an eight year on a eight million dollar deal. But hey, I mean, you got that young core. You don't want to disturb that necessarily. But second base was definitely a hole uh, for the Orioles and Frazier. He's you know, he spent most of his career with the Pirates uh, playing on some not good teams, and then he got to taste the playoffs last year with the uh, with the Mariners. I guess he got to do it with the uh, – no, he didn't actually because the Padres missed last year. But, yeah, finally got to taste the playoffs last year with the uh, with the Mariners. And so I think just to kind of his veteran presence, and, you know, he's not – I don't – it's weird to say he's been through a lot, but just, you know, he's been on bad teams, and he's, you know – 
hasn't had the most fun major league career, but that through that, he's probably gained a lot of wisdom and a lot of really good uh, mental perspective, I guess. They can pass on to this young core as they try to turn into something. And last year, he only hit 238, uh, 80 OPS plus, so not amazing. Um, in the field, he is, at least last year at second base where he played most of his time, he was about league average in terms of most of the basic and some of the more advanced statistics. Um, he does have some versatility, too. He can play uh, all the outfield spots. He can do shortstop if you need him to. He has played third base for the Pirates before. And he in 2021, of course, he did have his all-star year where he hit 305 in over 155 games. So when he's, when he's right at the plate, he hits lots of doubles. He doesn't strike out a ton. And yeah, not he's not going to hurt you defensively. And he has some versatility there and veteran leadership. So good move. Um, definitely not the splashy move maybe at, uh, Orioles fans were hoping for. But, you know, um, good for Adam Frazier. He comes into a situation that in Baltimore that has the potential to be a lot of fun. Uh, this is an interesting one. We've got J.D. Martinez going on a one-year deal to the Los Angeles Dodgers. I mean, a few years ago, if, if we had J.D. Martinez from a few years ago, he would be still getting massive contracts. But he is 35, and so it's kind of... And he definitely has been showing some signs of slowing down a little bit over the past couple of years. You know, he's no longer 2018, 2019, where he was hitting like 40 home runs, driving in 130 runs and whatever. Although he still did hit 43 doubles last year, which is that was which was actually a career high. But he only had 16 home runs, and he only quote unquote hit 274. Uh, his OPS plus was 117, so still above average, but maybe not the biggest threat that um, as big of a threat as he used to be. But the good news is the Dodgers have a very deep lineup that has plenty of threats in it, so he does not have to be the guy. He just has to play in a play his supporting role well, which I think. Makes a lot of sense. 10 years or 10 million over that one year. That's solid. He slots in nicely as the DH. Um, you don't need a back cleanup. You've got Betts, Freeman, Smith, Muncy. You know, but he provides a little bit of depth in the bat in the bottom half of that lineup where you've got guys like Trace Thompson or James Altman where you're not quite sure what you're getting yet. So um, yeah, just Dodgers adding some depth to their lineup. Um never a bad thing, especially given that their main DH uh Joey Gallo is gone. They did lose Trey Turner, and Justin Turner is still on the market. So, you know, um, want to make sure you keep uh, keep that lineup as strong as you can if you're the Dodgers. So I like this move a lot. Honestly, there haven't been too many, like, um, free agent signings. I'm like, what? I, I say that I like this move a lot because, honestly, I haven't seen anything where I'm like, this, does make, this doesn't make sense whatsoever. Trades, on the other hand, there have been some trades where I'm like, what like the uh the Murphy trade on the A on the A's end they could have gone way more for him or what teams aren't doing like the Red Sox not letting not trying to get Bogarts or letting him get away and then going on signing a Japanese unproven Japanese outfielder. Uh, we've got Omar Narvaez heading to the Mets on a two-year, fifteen million dollar deal. Um, this provides a little more offensive oomph for the Mets at catcher because they've got Tomas Nito, who is a great defensive catcher, but just not very good with the bat. Um, although Nar Narvaez didn't have the greatest offensive year last year, he was battling some injuries. He only hit 206, but you're hoping that maybe that's because of injuries. I and mean, when he's right, 
know, in 2021, he had 11 home runs, 49 RBIs, hit 266 with a 744 OPS. He's had OPSs as high as 813 uh, in 2019 with Seattle, and he hit 22 home runs that year as well. So if he can uh, stay healthy and show that last year was kind of uh, not the norm, you know, he'll give the Mets a, uh, he'll give the Mets a, a better bat in the catching slot. And actually though, his, um, his defense has improved. It used to be that Narvaez was a hit hitting only catcher and he could not play defense, but that's kind of changed over the past, past few years, especially in terms of his framing. His framing is actually last year, even though it was a small sample size, about half the year, it was, uh, he was in the 89th percentile while his, um, his arm has never been the greatest um, with his throws down to second base and stuff, but you know he's no longer a complete defensive liability. He's improved his game a lot, so even if he's not quite the same offensive player, that improved defense helps kind of uh, outweigh that. Yeah, um, last year, 22% caught stealing rate um, below league average of 24. He's always just been slightly below average with that. But so, yeah, again, good move for the Mets. Um, definitely, they're least splashy move so far of the offseason. Um but solid one nonetheless to improve a position that needed a little bit of a, a little bit of shoring up. Um we got Joe I'm gonna save Gallo for last because I wanna go on get on my twin soapbox. But uh let's see we've got Austin Hedges going to the Pittsburgh Pirates on a one year five million dollar deal. Hey look at this the Pirates are spending more money. They brought in Carlos Santana and they brought in Austin Hedges. Um, but yeah, you know, the pirates have, all, have needed a catcher for a while since uh, Jacob Stallings got traded away and hedges. I mean, we kind of all know the story with him. Can't really hit like at all. His career bang average is one eight nine. He's today's Jeff Mathis, but defensively he's always been solid. Um, good at working with the pitching staff. I'm interested, interested to see how much they use him. Cause I mean, you know, most of his uh, situations, he would always be in, um, he'd be kind of in a tandem, kind of like how Jeff Mathis was. But I mean, looking at the Pirates, like who else do they really have as their uh, their catcher? Because they, um, I believe Perez is gone. They signed Roberto Perez last year, but he got hurt. Uh, they got Tyler Heineman, and um, and they've got uh, Andy Rodriguez kind of waiting in the wings. So I guess, yeah, Hedges is kind of the bridge, hopefully to their top catching prospect. But again, you can do far worse. Um, he does his job behind the plate for sure. I mean, solid, solid arm career, 30% uh, a caught stealing rate. So above average um, as little as two years ago in 2020, he had a 46% caught stealing rate, which is pretty, uh, pretty impressive. So good arm. Uh, doesn't make uh, good at framing, you know, the bat. He, he'll, he'll hit a few homers on occasion, but that's really it. Um, like I said, crew batting average 189. So, yeah, but again, just kind of a one-year bridge the gap kind of signing. Makes sense for the Pirates given their current situation. Um, who else do we have? Um, we have Billy Hamilton signed a is heading back to the South Side of Chicago on a minor league contract. In case anyone's interested about that, um, Eric Hosmer got DFA'd by the Red Sox, which is um, kind of uh, surprising. I figured that um, 
you know, they would want him around to kind of mentor uh, Tristan, Tristan Cassis, but I guess not. I mean, I thought that there was a whole connection with Hosmer and uh, Cassis being from the same town and going to the same high school and things like that. So I thought that they kind of wanted to keep Hosmer around, but I guess not. So Padres still have to pay him $13 million a year for the next three years. So I don't think Hosmer's too torn up about either way. But he'll, pro- he'll land somewhere for sure. Someone else will scoop him up. Um, Trevor May went to the A's on a one-year deal, which is kind of, um, you know, Trevor May's always been an interesting pitcher. Um, interesting how the A's are just making these very random kind of patchwork signings. You know, May bowed some injuries last year. He had a 5.04 ERA over 25 innings. Uh, strikeout numbers are still pretty good, not quite what they were in 2020 or 20. Uh, 19, but yeah, he's only if, I mean, in 2021, he was really solid too. Um, almost 12 strikeouts per nine and a 3.59 ERA. So yeah, one of the A's don't have a terrible bullpen. So, you know, maybe shore up that little strength, that slight advantage that they have with uh, bringing in May, hoping he bounces back, I guess. Uh, let me make sure I'm not missing anything before I get to Joey Votto. Um, Brad Boxberger went to the Cubs on a one-year deal. Um, yeah shore up that bullpen they definitely need a veteran arm like him in there we've got uh michael lorenzen signed with the tigers on a one-year deal owen miller was acquired from the guardians uh by the brewers that's interesting um i think uh yeah miller didn't really have a spot now that josh bell was signed so um he can maybe fit into that uh brewers lamp maybe help a little bit we've seen flashes of what he can do um yeah i think that's basically it for major signings um, besides Joey Gallo. So the twins, we missed out on uh, Carlos Correa, but we did bring in Joey Gallo, which uh, I for, I did a huge double take because that really came out of nowhere. I was not expecting us to bring him in, but I have a theory on why. So first off, Gallo had a pretty forgettable season last year. He only hit 160. Um, he was hated by everyone in New York. He could not. He just kept striking out a ton. I mean, an abysmal um, 106 strikeouts and only 273 plate appearances. I, I'm going to get the number up there right now. I don't even want to know what that is. He went to the Dodgers. At least he wasn't being like heckled and basically threatened by Yankees fans. But, I mean, just, you know, 30, 39.8% strikeout rate last year. However, when he does hit the ball, when he does make contact, it goes far. He he hit 19 home runs still last year. So the power, when he can hit the ball, it's still there. I mean, he's a lot of red on a stat cast chart um, in terms of exit velo, hard hit percentage, barrel rate. He still walks a ton. And he's pretty solid with the glove still. But uh, I think the Twins are really envisioning him as a DH. Brought him in on a one-year, $11 million deal. So there's two added wrinkles to this. One, with the new shift rules, um, Joey Votto, or Joey Gallo, excuse me, as we know, is a major pool hitter. He pulls almost half of his balls to right field. Now that the shift has been taken away, teams used to shift him crazily. Now that the shift is no longer a thing, a lot more of those bad balls that have been caught or fielded by uh, the second baseman playing deep in right field will now fall in for hits. 
So that will help the bank. That should help the bank average go up. And again, maybe, you know, getting out of the spotlight of New York was something he needs and he just needs to play in a more under the radar place like uh, our great state of Minnesota, I guess. So I think that's what's going on with that. So the twins definitely see that this is a huge rebound candidate. And if he does rebound and turn to old Joey Gallo that hits 40 home runs and can can get on base and hit for a batting average in the two twenties, then he's definitely worth it. Worth every penny of that 11 million. Also Joey Gallo is a left-handed hitting outfielder and the twins have a few left-handed hitting outfielders already. They have Max Kepler and Trevor Larnick as well as top prospect, Matt Walner. What I think is going on here is the twins They've seen that they missed out a lot of the big free agent guys like uh, Rodon. I know they wanted and uh, Correa, obviously. So what they're looking at, and I'm going get to get to uh, trade possibilities for all for lots of teams, not just the Twins in a future episode. But what I think the Twins are looking at here is we need to tra- trade one of, one of these guys. Larnick is a top prospect that teams would be willing to give up a significant piece for Max Kepler's on a team friendly contract. And while he had a down year last year, he still has a lot of potential defensively and offensively. So maybe we could flip him. So Gallo in a sense is going to be a replacement for one of those guys. While then they trade one of the more attractive pieces, especially I think Larnick or maybe even Walner. Walner is one of the twins best prospects right now. Maybe we trade them. We bring in that ace that we need or not necessarily ace. Cause we've got Ryan, Joe Ryan, but you know, another arm dependable arm that we need or we trade for you know shoring up the shortstop position Luis Arias could also you know taking filling up the DH role that means that takes away even more at bats from Luis Arias so maybe Arias is actually on the block so I think that this Gallo signing it's done partially because the twins are hoping that he will rebound and rebound in a big way and also partially that that's setting them up for a trade of another piece that they have to bring in that big name that they missed out on free agency. So yeah, those are my two cents. I'm really hoping that this turns into something here for the twins. I think it definitely could. And that'll do it for tonight. Thank you so much for listening. As always, you can find this podcast on Spotify, Anchor, Google Podcasts, Apple, Amazon Music, and many other podcasting platforms. Make sure you give it a five-star review or follow it or do whatever you got to do to make sure it shows up in your feed. Make sure you follow the Instagram page at straylf.pod. Thank you once again, everyone, for listening. I really appreciate it, and I will be talking to you all again soon.